Emerson's take on self-reliance was that you had to trust yourself so thoroughly that you weren't swayed by the thoughts and the expectations of others. And that when you were, it actually gave you the ability to be empathetic as well to other people following their dreams, being self-reliant. And so to me, it's much deeper than this idea of, you know, I'm just going to go it alone. I mean, any entrepreneur who thinks they've done anything by themselves is absolutely fooling themselves. Welcome to Elevate, a podcast about achievement, personal growth, and pushing limits in leadership and life. I'm Robert Glazer, and I chat with world-class performers who have committed to elevating their own life, pushing the limits of their capacity, and helping others to do the same. Welcome to the Elevate podcast. Our quote for today is from Fran Lebowitz, and it is, humanity is no substitute for good personality. Our guest today, John Jantz, is one of the world's most creative voices in marketing. He's a marketing consultant, keynote speaker, and best-selling author of several books, including Duct Tape Marketing and his latest, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, which we're going to dig into. John is also the founder of the small business consulting firm, Duct Tape Marketing, and the host of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. So, John, welcome. Uh, Excited to have you on the Elevate Podcast. Hey, thanks, Robert. Um, I like that name, Duct Tape Marketing, don't I? I stuck it Yeah, I I was going (laughs) to... I was lying for a joke about, you know, that it's a, it's sticky. Yeah, exactly. That's the go-to for a lot of people. Yes. So I read that you started duct tape marketing in the, in the eighties. Uh, you know, was that the start of your professional career or what were you doing before that? Well, well no, actually I started Jance communications Got it. in okay. the eighties and it was really around the turn of the century. I love saying that. Yeah. Sounds- so long ago, uh, that I actually applied this name, duct tape marketing, uh, to it. And, you know, I, I went to work right out of college for an ad agency and, and about five years in kind of said, you know, I, I don't like working for people. I want to do my own thing. And so I just went out and hustled work and got whatever anybody said they'd pay me to do. And, you know, eventually kind of discovered I loved working with small business owners, uh, but they were very hard. <laughs> to work with uh, in the way I'd been trained anyway. Um, so I created duct tape marketing or the duct tape marketing brand because I figured I had to kind of create this package where I could walk in and say, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what you're going to do. Here are the results we hope to get. Here's what it costs. And almost turn marketing, at least for the small business, into a product that they would purchase. And so I gave it, I needed a, a better name than, than my last name. And so I uh, uh, gave it uh, the, a more productized kind of name. And that, that was around 2002. And uh, people seemed to like it. It seemed to make sense to them as a metaphor. And so I, I put it on everything. And so how did the, I know you have a methodology and, and, and I guess that methodology has grown through the digitization of marketing, but yeah. what, what's the same and what's changed um, since you started with that methodology? Well, I think this thing that's the same in marketing is, you know, what our objective is, you know, to yeah. get somebody to, to know about what we do and then to trust us enough to exchange money and, and then to, to like them enough that they want to, you know, stay with us. I don't think those things, those fundamentals will ever change. I think that the thing that's actually changed the most, and it's not the platforms, it's the way people buy. Right. People have talked about this for years now, but you know, it used to be I'd go out, call on somebody, tell them what I did, you know, gave them a, gave them the roadmap and they said, I want to buy or I don't want to buy. And you know, today you show up for that meeting and and they know more about your business maybe than you do. <laughs> and so right. that that I think has has altered the way that marketers have had to uh, had to kind of evolve, and obviously a lot of these digital tools have been able to allow people to 
to do a better job of building that trust and, and getting that client and in some cases really pollute the market as well. So I know you work with small businesses, but do you work with the marketing teams of small businesses or do you work with the entrepreneurs? Yeah, it's many of the businesses we work with um, don't have a marketing team. That would really be a glamorous <laughs> term. A lot of times they are founder-driven companies that have done pretty well and have consequently gone out and hired a my air quotes, a young person to, because yeah. they know social media. And so a lot of what we do is help them maximize that asset or actually help them get anything out of it at all. But we, we start with strategy and we you know, have a, a set approach to uh, maturing their marketing from wherever they are today. And in a lot of cases, we are kind of pitching them on the idea of leveling whatever internal people they have up, or at least giving them a common language to talk to the, the business owner or the entrepreneur with. So a friend of mine wrote an article recently, and, and he interviewed me for it on the subject. And the subject was, stop, as an agent, if you own an agency, like stop working for entrepreneurs as fast as you can. <laughs> but you've, you've made it work. And I, and I think one of the things, and, and I think we're one also who said, yeah, we would love to work with marketing teams. And we see what happens when oftentimes an overzealous CEO or entrepreneur gets their hands on it. But one of the challenges I think I always saw is like, is they tend to view that expenditure as taking that money out of their pocket versus yep. a marketing team who, who has a budget to go to put to work. So you, you, you've made this work or maybe you've just tolerated it long enough, but I, <laughs> I, it sounds like my worst nightmare. So I'm curious how, how, you've, how you've made that work for so long. So I, I think the reason we made it work is because um, I would say we've spent a lot of time working with business owners and not entrepreneurs. Okay. And it's sort of a sad distinction sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what is the distinction? <laughs> so for me, the distinction is a business owner looks at everything they have to do and tries to figure out how to get it done. Yeah. And an entrepreneur looks at everything they have to do and tries to figure out how to get somebody else to do it. That to me is the real distinction. Did that make sense? Yes. <laughs> so a lot of the folks that we help, I, I mean, I, it's kind of been a personal mission to actually help them get their lives back um, because a lot of them are, are doing it themselves. They're not sure what they're doing. They don't know who to trust. It's gotten way more complicated. And so the fact that we give them a very repeatable process that makes sense um, and that they can figure out how to buy. I mean, I think that's, again, for a lot of business owners, figuring out how to actually acquire marketing services has gotten rather difficult because everybody's selling a piece of the puzzle. So I think that our holistic approach helps them kind of see marketing not as, I mean, it, they're always going to look at it as, as an expense, but we try to help them look at it as an investment. And sometimes that means getting their time back, you know, getting control, uh, getting confidence that what they're doing is the right thing to be doing. And so I think that that's probably why it is tough at times. And so there, there has to be a mindset, you know, they have to be collaborative, they have to be teachable, they, they have to, you know, believe that we know what we're doing and, and that it's the right approach. So, you know, some of what we do in our attraction and, and conversion uh, phases uh, actually weeds some people out. Right. And that, that's your own process, you're saying, right? That's right. Yeah. You're, uh, you're using your own process. Why can't I think of the term? You're eating your own dog food. That's what uh -oh, I'm trying yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah. I think it's so disingenuous when people don't do that, frankly. <laughs> well, or they write, right, they write a book on, this is the real estate formula that you just can't lose money on. I'm like, well, why don't you hire a lot of people to run your formula then rather than sell books about the formula? Yeah. 
the yeah. first thing I always think of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't really have a local business, but I made it, you know, my mission to rank number one in Kansas City uh, in the Google three pack <laughs> for marketing consultant uh, because I want to be able to show people that, yeah, I mean, we can, we can do this uh, for you because look, we did it for ourselves. So this is more philosophical market question, but having had this experience of working with so many entrepreneurs, if you had to look back at your sort of, I, I told you no meter, what is the difference between, or, or I know business owners too, what is the difference between those who you've seen be in their approach to you and the other, and the other functions of, of being successful or not successful? Or, what, or said differently, like what's the radar thing where you're like, this person's just not going to make this business successful? <laughs> the, the behavior I see the most that is so frustrating is that business owner that wants to hire a marketing firm and yet they've read, you know, every blog every week, you know, to, to actually then want to come in and, well, we need to do this. Now we need to do this. Now we need to do this. And there's, there's really no appreciation for strategy and for executing a plan. It's always just the idea of the week. Those are the folks that I struggle with, but certainly they end up treading water. What about uh, their sort of micromanagement level? Well, yeah, that that as well. Um, I mean, part of um, one of the challenges, I think, with a lot of founder-driven businesses, we, a couple of years ago, uh, were asked to work with uh, a company that was, you know, in, in my world was a little on the bigger side, $30 million company, and they had no senior marketing person at all. Um, the owner of the company didn't fancy himself a marketer necessarily, mm -hmm. but he was actually afraid to hire a senior marketing person yeah, because he didn't know what to tell him to do. <laughs> um, and I, I think that that's, a, that's actually more common than many people probably would believe. Yeah. And, and I'm actually sure if you, if you had kept track of this, I, I'm always interested if you kept track of your, your first impression and then kind of look back yeah. a couple of years, it'd probably be pretty, pretty accurate. Well, I, and it's important for people to pay attention. If you want, if you're asking someone to come in and be the expert, you don't want to give them infinite rope, but give them some rope, let them do what they're going to do before you suffocate them. Yeah. I've seen, and again, we've moved out of this over the years, but we still have some in the startup world. But I, I my thought always is like, if you have time to suffocate your vendors like this, <laughs> I can only imagine what it feels like <laughs> to be on your team. Yeah. I, uh, I saw a speaker that, um, I don't know, do you know Mike Michalowicz? He's a, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talked to Mike a few weeks ago. Okay. And so he was, uh, uh, he was talking about this idea of, you know, so many business owners, entrepreneurs just want to hold on to everything. And it's like, he's, if you've ever seen him speak, he's extremely animated on stage. Yeah. And so he was like, had his arms around everything. He's like kicking people like, get away from it. Yeah, this is mine. Um, and it is, you know, it's absurd when you see it like that, but it's the behavior that is probably uh, the majority <laughs> of business owners. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time and it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. The Lexus GX comes with available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, available front row massaging seats, best-in-class towing capacity, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. 
the new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, Elevate listeners. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify is the partner you need to keep the cash register ringing for your e-commerce business. (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading platforms. I advise a lot of companies in the e-commerce space, and almost all of them have migrated to Shopify. And as a buyer, what I love about buying from Shopify-enabled sites is that they already know who I am, and I don't have to create a new account or enter all my payment info. The ShopPay service makes it faster and easier to buy, which surely helps with conversions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash elevate, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash elevate now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash elevate. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it goes into the e-myth probably too around people who are want to build a business or they're the expert in whatever the the reason the business started at. Yeah, no question. And I, I, you know, I've managed people uh, for 30 years uh, in my organization and I swear it was only about five years ago that, that I started mastering um, my answer. Instead of answering questions, I started asking questions back (laughs) and uh, it took me only, it took me 25 years to figure that out. Well, related but different. I watched your TEDx talk uh, that you gave on on commitment, and yeah. I thought it was interesting. Not not related to marketing at all, but I think there's some dotted lines here that I, I think what you what you found is that companies and leaders with with higher purpose are are happier. Can you talk a little bit about this? And and also, I think the story you told uh, was an interesting one. Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, I don't think it's much of a stretch for people to, you know, to realize that. I, th- I think that that the organizations are healthier, the culture is healthier, people want to be there. I mean, that's all going to translate into, it, you know, assuming the company has a, a decent service and product. I mean, that's this always going to translate into a level of success. But it's, I think it's tough because it's subtle. It's not P&L, <laughs> you know, ish for, but I think most companies that have done it that are very purpose-driven do find that it, it goes to the bottom line. Um, the, the company that I talked about is, is one that's actually been profiled in, in a few other books, Jancoa, which is a janitorial services company in, uh, I want to say it's Cleveland. It's either Cleveland or Cincinnati. I can't remember which one. Some city in Somewhere Ohio. In Ohio. Yeah. Somewhere in Ohio. And they just, they couldn't keep people. I mean, that's a tough industry, uh, obviously. And so they were trying to solve their turnover problem. And, uh, um, so they, one of the things they picked up was to maybe create a service where they could transport uh, their employees, get them picked up to the job site. Um, and so in doing so, they, they, it was kind of the first time they'd really experienced that a lot of their employees uh, were living below the poverty line. I mean, we're in pretty, pretty dire and hopeless uh, situations. And, and that, of course, you know, a lot of times kind of led to the, the idea that, that they were turned over and, and didn't keep a job. And so they decided that uh, what they were going to do is create a program that's now been you know, copied all over the world. The, they called it the Dream Manager Program, uh, where they would actually have employees whose jobs were to to work with 
teams of employees and help them identify something they wanted, some dream they had that they wanted to accomplish, and then kind of set up a, a coaching program to, to accomplish it. And it was all over the map. I mean, it was, I want to get a GED. I want to go on vacation. I want to be able to visit my grandchild or something. You know, it was anything they identified, uh, they went to work on. And they just, you know, it, it was almost overnight that they started, you know, people became much more connected. This was the place they wanted to work. Uh, people were actually achieving, you know, some of these dreams for the first time in their life. And um, I remember uh, Mary Miller uh, was the person that, uh, created this. Um, she and her husband started the business and uh, created this program. And she said that the thing that they were so proud of was it, it kind of turned into where people would come to work for their company so they could get out of the janitorial services business um, because, yeah. you know, it was such an enabler of what to do. And I mean, now, you know, they just moved, I saw recently, they just moved into a downtown headquarters and, you know, I have like 500 employees now and have really just, uh, you know, thrived in every sense. Yeah, and I, I actually think uh, a friend of mine, John Ratliff, borrowed from that program. We borrowed from him, uh, so it, we've done some of that. And you know, one of the things as it relates to marketing too is that I think when you do cool stuff, <laughs> marketing opportunities find themselves. Like, not that they did that for marketing, but I, I mean, from a competitive market and employee perspective, I, I, there probably wasn't anything that they could have done that would have helped them more from a marketing perspective. And we've continually found we've just done really interesting things. People hear about them and, and, and it becomes free marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I mean, everybody knows this, but I, I mean, if you attract people who are attracted to a mission, you know, yeah. they're going to be, they're going to be more engaged employees. I mean, just bottom line. But you got to do it for the right reasons, oh, yeah, yeah, not yeah. for the, yeah. No, no. In fact, it's... <laughs> Karma doesn't work that way. No, no. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> I think the companies that do it, don't, they don't do it. They just are it. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break uh, for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with John. Hey, everyone. I'm excited to share that my new book, Friday Forward, Inspiration and Motivation to End Your Week Stronger Than It Started, releases on September 1st. My Friday Forward newsletter has inspired over 200,000 readers, and this book is a curated collection and update of the 52 most impactful stories from the series. Each story is intentionally written to challenge you to improve at work and in life, and to lead others to do the same. If you enjoy the conversations on the show, you'll get a lot out of this book. Learn how to make lasting changes in your life, motivate others, and impact people you haven't even met. Get Friday Forward in hardcover, ebook, and audiobook on September 1st. And for more information, go to www.fridayforwardbook.com. That's www.fridayforwardbook.com. And we're back with John Chance. So I want to talk about uh, your new book, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, which yes. I think is your first book outside of technical business and marketing. Why uh, why did you decide to write this book? Yeah, it is actually my sixth book and my five other books have been you know, squarely on uh, on how to run a business, how to do marketing, how to do something. And just I, ran out of marketing ideas. I, well, you know, <laughs> it's not far off. I, I actually was just tired of, of writing about how to do stuff, quite frankly. There was a bit of burnout, you know, as an author. And this is a book that's probably been in my mind for 20 years. Um, and in a lot of ways, it's uh, it's meant to be kind of a retelling of there's, there's a lot of me in it. <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, my journey in it, uh, wrapped around, um, some classic, uh, what I think is classic entrepreneurial writing, but I, I wanted, I, I feel like there's so many how to books out there and you're seeing, I think a real surge in what I would call why to books or mindset books. And right. that's kind of what I wanted to, to leave as uh, sort of another, uh, 
entry to my writing. And so what, how do you define a self-reliant entrepreneur? I, I would assume that most entrepreneurs are self-reliant to the earlier thing, where I guess uh, either one way, right? They either, they can't work with or for anyone. And so they get forced to be an entrepreneur or, or they want to rely on themselves, right? So what, how, how do you define it? So the title borrows heavily, in fact, directly uh, from Ralph Waldo Emerson's essay, Self-Reliance. And if you read that essay, um, I think it runs a little counter to how most people think about being self-reliant. I mean, if you Google the term self-reliant, there will be some websites that will teach you how to build your home and kill your own food and smoke your own clothes. That's disaster preparation. (laughs) Although they're probably getting a lot more traffic these days. Yeah, yeah. I suspect they are. But what... Emerson's take on self-reliance was that you had to trust yourself so thoroughly that you weren't swayed by the thoughts and the expectations of others. And that when you were, it actually gave you the ability to be empathetic as well to other people following their dream, being self-reliant. And so to me, it's much deeper than this idea of, you know, I'm just going to go it alone. I mean, any entrepreneur who thinks they've done anything by themselves is absolutely fooling themselves. You know, we all need a very strong and supportive community, but we also need the ability as entrepreneurs to let go of the things that we can't control. And I mean, we may want to influence something, but there are very few things we actually can control. And so what this, I think, gives you, this level of trust gives you is the ability to to focus on how you show up and how you respond. And that's really the only things that we can control. So this dots back to our earlier conversation, because I think when you start a business, it is about like, hey, I got to go fix this problem or do this sure. thing, or I'm going to rely on myself and I'm just going to do it, right? And, yeah. and, that, and that works till like a million in revenue, right? Yep. And then and it's interesting, it's when a lot of people join EO, I think when they're struggling around that, that transition. But then your ultimate success is, is going to be based on the team that you build. So, and, and scale, how, how do people make or not make that? What is needed? You touched on a little bit, but to make that shift, because I think it's probably the key yep. thing between someone really scaling as an entrepreneur or, or not. Well, I, I think, and we mentioned the, the purpose word already, I think that when somebody is very driven by um, a mission or you know, a goal that they care about greatly, you know, that I think a lot of times can kind of push them to find, you know, how do I serve that purpose? Um, okay. The other thing that I think it does, and you, you mentioned building a team, I think that's half of it. I think the other half is you have to be resilient enough to also Uh, reframe many of the things that occur in your entrepreneurial journey is like, I didn't fail or I screwed up or I didn't do this right. But this thing didn't work the way we thought it was going to, you know, what did we learn from that? And that I think is, is a trait that, you know, many of the most successful people, let alone entrepreneurs possess is the ability to distance themselves from, you know, failures and, and things that, you know, are inevitable in most businesses. And how did your journey sort of influence the narrative of the book? Well, I wrote a blog post about uh, probably five or six years ago that that ended up being the, I'm not sure I knew it at the time, but it ended up being kind of the structure for the book. Um, and it was called the, the uh, Evolving or Changing Seasons of the Entrepreneur. And obviously seasons uh, were, you know, it was a great metaphor for a book that follows as this one does a calendar. Yeah. It was a daily reading um, for every date on the calendar, including leap year. And in that, um, my journey, I, I have seen, and this is not like one over 
overriding arc. Um, I have seen numerous times where I have gone through these seasons and it seems like almost every time I've started a new book or <laughs> decided to yeah. you know, add a new product or service or focus on a new market, that there seems to be this kind of pattern of, you know, is this going to work? Okay, this not only works, but I see why it works and I see, <laughs> I see how it's going to serve my purpose. And then you get some momentum and that's kind of when things start the, the things that aren't buttoned down start fall, <laughs> falling apart necessarily. Right. And I think if you come through those, um, then on the other side, and, and whether that's winter or whatever season you want to put it in, is you start, I think, to understand the impact that what you're doing is having. And I think that's, so, that's for many entrepreneurs, the, the goal is to build it to this point or to you know, get so many customers. And I think we often, even in the middle of it, fail to turn around and look how far we've come, look how many people, you know, have had their lives impacted in a positive way because we have come. And I, and I think that that, when you start having that sense, and sometimes people have it, you know, at the end of their journey, but um, I think you have the ability to have that, uh, that idea, or at least check in on that idea multiple times in any kind of career. Harvard Business Review provides information, tools, and practical advice on leadership, management, and strategy through the hbr.org website, their print publication, and their podcast. hbr.org is your go-to for leadership and business management articles. A recent favorite is stop eliminating perfectly good candidates by asking them the wrong questions. Then there are other world-famous case studies which premium subscribers can access as well. HBR produces a number of leading podcasts from HBR on leadership to my favorite, the HBR IdeaCast podcast. A subscription to HBR also includes access to videos, The Big Idea, HBR Magazine, and a wide variety of newsletters. While much of the Harvard Business Review content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. Go to www.hbr.org subscriptions and enter promo code ELEVATE right now to take advantage of this great offer. Again, go to www.hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter promo code elevate to learn more about this great opportunity to help manage your career and business. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Case in point, last year I asked the CEO of a major ski resort how he got his job, and he told me that he saw it on LinkedIn and decided to apply. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. The team at LinkedIn is also constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I mean, there's an analogy. I, I wrote a Friday Forward on this last year about coming up in Vancouver and uh it was very similar to the where we were when our three-year plan. Um, yeah. We were kind of in that last quarter. And if you think about a mountain, right, uh, the, the last quarter is usually the highest. 
you're not right. You're not close enough to the top to be motivated by it. And, and you're kind of in the steepest ascent and it can be pretty rough then. And, and you tend to be looking up and being like, Oh God, I got a, I got a long way to go versus kind of, as you were saying, like turn around and being like, wow, like look how far uh, <laughs> we've, you know, we've come on this. Yeah. And, and I, I actually think that's a real dangerous point for the company versus the leader. I think leaders are visionary. They tend to be sort of ahead. Sometimes they're already like kind of, on that next peak and thinking about the next one. And the rest of the people are pulling all the bags up the three-quarter yeah. mark and are, are exhausted. Yeah, and all those false peaks, those are the ones that drive me crazy. Yeah, so what, what in terms of self-doubt, is it something that people learn to manage or does it go away as you go through these seasons over and over? Well, I think you recognize it for what it is. So I guess that's another way of saying you manage it, but, but there's no question that experience is a great teacher. I mean, if you, yeah. you know, realize, oh, okay, nobody died, <laughs> you know, you're maybe not quite as fearful, you know, the next time something, you know, shows up. And I, I, I hate to be too topical. I'm not sure we're recording this in March of yeah. 2020, but, you know, there's a ton of, I don't know if it's outright fear or if people are just like putting the brakes on, you know, right now. But I, I think that, you know, I was through, I went through 9-11, <laughs> um, you know, which certainly has a different feel to it, but certainly had a, you know, an unknown, uneasy feeling about it. And I think the more times you go through some of those things, I don't want to say you learn from them, but I think you, I think it reminds you in a lot of ways why you're doing what you're doing. It does for me anyway. Every time I've gone through some element of business that's presented a challenge, my first gut reaction is how do I get back in touch and get closer again with my customers. And I think that's probably what, if people have a little nervous uh, element right now, that's probably what they ought to be focused on. Yeah. And, and even when this is over, there's going to be kind of the hangover from it. So sure. what would you recommend companies are thinking about marketing or environments more challenging, budgets are down? Like, is that people, they tend to retrench on that stuff. So yeah. How would you advise them on, you know, do you double down during those periods? Do you pull back? Like what, what I think, I think people have a very hard time knowing, you know, when they need marketing most, right, is when they're maybe most, least positioned to do it or more likely to pull back. Well, I, I think you have to be smart about it. I think that it's not just a matter of saying, let's go buy billboards and tell everybody to be calm, you know, I mean, I mean, that's, that might be somebody's inclination. But uh, again, I think that it's, I think if you've got a sales team, you know, your sales team just needs to get out there and start talking to people, start asking, you know, what they need, what they're feeling, what they're fearing, change the tone maybe of your, you know, email outreaches to be more supportive and, you know, less salesy maybe. I, I, again, I'm just kind of winging it, but I think that that doubling down on paying attention <laughs> right. um, is, is probably wise. It uh, doesn't necessarily mean you're doubling down on, on some kind of spend. Find out what your customers need, right? It could be they need something different during that time that you have the ability to provide. That's right. That's right. I mean, I, we work with a lot of small business owners. Um, they're nervous right now. And I think in some ways, I mean, I, you know, if all you're doing is consuming what's on the news right now, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're a little batty. <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes like, hey, this is a goofy thing, but I have uh, several grandchildren and one of them is in a daycare at a kinder care and they actually do a thing that's brilliant. Uh, about three times a day, I get an email that has a picture of her doing something. <laughs> it goes yeah. to her parents as well and whatnot. And it's funny how that sometimes I can be feeling really low and that just snaps me back. <laughs> and I think, Oh yeah, things aren't so bad. 
Where, where, now, were, they, were they doing that before or did they start yeah, yeah, doing that? No, now? no, okay. no. They've, they've yeah, always okay. been doing that. And, you know, they, it's a service they do for the parents. The parents can then extend that to some other people. But uh, to me, it's brilliant. Um, you know, in every one of those pictures, she's happy doing something goofy. And, um, right. you know, and I, I just think that, you know, maybe we ought to double down on doing some stuff like that, <laughs> you yeah. know, to, to try to be sort of the calm or try to be a little bit of the present as opposed to doubling down on trying to market something. Yeah, give people something else to consume. Yeah. If they want to consume chaos and fear, there's plenty of offerings right now. That's right. Absolutely. All right. So are there any topics on the leadership side of business that you're you're thinking about after this book? Or are you going to go back to marketing? I'm sort of going to go back to marketing, but I've actually got... Um, I'm under contract to write a book that I'm tentatively calling Unstuck. And it is a marketing book. It is mostly about marketing strategy. Uh, most of the business owners I've worked with that, that are stuck, it's because they don't have a, a strategy. Um, but it's going to give me the opportunity to talk less about the tactics um, <laughs> of social media or paid search or something and talk more about um, vision and, and purpose and, and mission along with a solid plan to communicate those things. Great. So when, when should we expect that? You know, um, I'm, I'm doing it with Harper Leadership, and uh, they are a small imprint of HarperCollins, and uh, so they don't want to put it out to the spring of 2021. So, got All time. Right. So, we got <laughs> some time. So, look, look for that one, and people can add that to their list after they read the current one. So, I know we talked earlier, and I think you had a, a kind of sample from the book that you thought would be really helpful to, to share. So, love to hear that. So I'm just going to read today's. I think it's very fitting. This is March 12th when we're recording this. Um, we haven't talked much about it. So to give people context, what a, every day has a page, one page. Um, and I've actually curated literature from the mid-19th century. It was kind of the first counterculture period in America. We were on the cusp of the Civil War. Women were marching in the streets to get the right to vote. Uh, we were trying to abolish the legal act of slavery. And so a lot of the writing from that period, even the fiction, uh, started actually introducing these characters that were, you know, I know this is going to cost me everything, say in the Scarlet Letter or Moby Dick, for example, but I have to follow my heart. And then, of course, Emerson and Thoreau were overtly saying, you know, we need to stop listening to, you know, to, to our parents and to our teachers, and we need to do what, you know, only we were, you know, endowed and meant to do here. So, to me, that period produced the greatest entrepreneurial writing um, really ever. So, each day has a title, has a reading, a little snippet from something I uh, gathered, and then me contextualizing it, uh, hopefully for today's entrepreneur, and then actually leave uh, you with a challenge question every day as well. So I'm reading today, it's called Crazy for Yourself. I am come of a race noted for vigor of fancy and ardor of passion. People have called me mad, but the question is not yet settled whether madness is or is not the loftiest intelligence, whether much that is glorious, whether all that is profound does not spring from disease of thought, from moods of mind exalted at the expense of the general intellect. That's from uh, Edgar Allan Poe, uh, uh, his uh, novel, Eleonora, or it's actually Eleonora, uh, 1842. Wow, that was a while ago, but, but very relevant. Yep. So... Have you ever tried to explain to others what you do only to be greeted with mild looks of confusion tinged with disapproval? Maybe it's, huh, that's interesting, which is a nice way of saying, huh, is that even a thing? 
Uh, but as Poe suggests, entrepreneurs too come from a race noted of vigor for vigor of fancy and ardor of passion. Maybe your parents, your spouse, or your high school buddies don't understand because maybe you don't fully understand enough to articulate it just yet. All you know is that you possess a deep sense that you must do what you set out to do. Is it madness to lurch out on your own or is it more so to show up and collect salary in the service of someone else's dream? Is it riskier to control your own destiny or to depend on the decisions of another to feed your soul? Yeah, you're probably a little mad in somebody's definition, but all that is glorious springs from some form of madness. Today, be crazy for yourself and no one else. Then I end every day with a challenge question. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Have you ever tempered your passion for something for fear others won't get it? It's a good question. So a lot to chew on every day. All right. Well, last question for you is what is a personal or professional mistake that you've, le- you've learned the most from? And it could be singular or it could be repeated. Well, early on, as I said, I just hustled work. I went out and got whatever somebody said they'd pay me for. And of course, that led me to saying, I do everything. Um, but it also led me to kind of saying, you know, I'll work for anybody. That in some form or fashion turned into a grand jury subpoena. Um, and one of my clients was actually uh, convicted of a felon. Uh, they wanted to know what I knew about it. Fortunately, I didn't know anything necessarily about it. But I do remember that moment. You know, first off, it was terrifying. Uh, if you've never done it before, I'll just tell you that. Um, but I do also remember that that was kind of the moment when I said, I have to pay attention to, you know, not only who I'm going to work for, I have to choose yeah. who I'm going to work with. And, you know, a lot of that choice is going to be made about us uh, having at least some form of shared values. Um, and, you know, that really changed, it changed everything. It became a really uh, a heartbeat of, of how I help companies uh, differentiate and certainly how, you know, I believe who I want to work with and who I want to attract into my life and into my business. And it was, uh, you know, like many those lessons that don't kill you, <laughs> you know, yeah. are, uh, are certainly meant to teach you something if you're willing to learn. Uh, yeah, that's a good story. Well, John, where can more people learn about you and your firm and your work and your books? So the book, Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, is is pretty much anywhere that you purchase books. Um, If you want to see what I've been up to for uh, the last couple decades or so, it's just ducttapemarketing.com. And that's D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E marketing.com. All right, John, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Robert. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in to the Elevate podcast today. We'll include links to John and his work and his books on the detailed episode page at robertglazer.com. If you enjoy this episode or the Elevate podcast in general, I'd really appreciate if you could leave us a review. All you got to do is if you're an Apple podcast is hit the library icon, click on Elevate, scroll down, and you can leave a rating or review. Thanks again for your support. Until next time, keep elevating.
episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.